What's better than this? Guys being guys being guys being guys being, guys being dudes. What's up, beautiful people, and thank you for tuning in to yet another beautiful, excellent, uh, virtuous episode of Pat's Interference College Football many, Podcast. The best in the How many land. adjectives can we throw in? How many adjectives can we... This is a very loquacious podcast, if you will. Um, <laughs> an excellent week of college football is come and gone. Uh, I, am, uh, I am your host, uh, number one, Patrick Brickman, joined by also number one, Patrick Norwood, uh, hey buddy. It's like it's like golf. It's like golf. We're T one. Let's just transition. Yeah, no, we're not going to do a golf podcast, or you'll have to find a new co-host. Which no, you could, ab- I, I by the way, you could abs. Now you could absolutely carry a golf podcast. I would get about three words in, and then I would be out. Um, Fall asleep. Yeah, but anyway, uh, no, it was a, it was a, it was a good weekend of of college football. Maybe one of the better ones we've seen so far this year. Uh, not maybe as good as the week before with the upsets, but we had a couple. Obviously, the Georgia Alabama game was big, um, and then there were a lot of cancellations and postponements. But before we get into the meat and the potatoes of everything, just uh, you know, how how have you how have you been in the seven days since we last podcast? Even though we've talked every day since then. Uh, yeah, good, good. I uh, had my anniversary trip uh, this past weekend to Asheville, North Carolina. It was wonderful. We were very fortunate to have great weather. The only time it rained, we uh, we were That's me actually clapping on the way for there. Your one year. Clapping for I your one year. It. It's just one clap. <laughs> um, it was several. Is Jade? Is they? Is Jade there right now? She's probably at work. Uh, she is technically at work, which is right now outside on our patio. Okay. So. Um, I wanted yeah. to do a quick interview with her, but we don't have to. She's If she weren't uh, down a full floor and outside and on a Skype call, I would definitely do that right for, now. We'll save it for another week. But I, I wanted to Pat's ask Pat's Interference really, sponsored by Skype. That's right. Um, wanted to ask her some really hard-hitting questions about the first year. Like, very hard-hitting. Um, very uncomfortable for you, it would have been. But I'm glad, you're, you're lucky that she's on a Skype call. Uh, but no, 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 no. We're no, all lucky. No. One year, one year is a big deal, man. That's uh. I appreciate it. That's that's big. That's big. I'm proud of y'all. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so it was it was a good weekend. We got to watch some games. Um, Auburn and Tennessee. Uh, we got to watch both <laughs> both of those. Uh, and then we watched the Bama game. I missed the first like five minutes, which were extremely exciting. Uh, but I've caught up on all the games and their highlights. Um, I did that last night. Uh, while I was watching the Rays uh, beat the Dodgers, actually, which was surprising. Yeah, the series tied. Uh, how have you been? How, how's the last seven days been in, in Brickman's world? Solid. Uh, Saturday was obviously uh, my my favorite weekend of the year, just as far as work goes. You know, I'm always at a game. Sure. So I was at I was at Bama, Georgia. That was a uh, that was very cool. I had not been to the stadium since they put in the new lights, uh, or I hadn't been to a night game, I guess, since they'd put in the new yeah. lights. So that was cool. They're cool. Uh, get, I'll get yeah, to see that again really next—not cool. this Saturday, but the next Saturday when they play uh, Mississippi State. I'll be there as well. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was solid. I'm really looking forward to this Saturday because, um, uh, long story short, because of COVID, there's a company policy that that we're not allowed to leave our market, so I'm not allowed to travel to away games this year. Alabama, Auburn, sure. both on the road, meaning I won't have a game to go to. Meaning I'll get to watch football from my couch, which is very rare for me. And, uh, you know, at least Saturday college football. So I'm excited to watch the Bama game as a fan. Um, yeah. For the first time. Good. I get to do it about once a year. I watched the LSU game like a fan last year. And now I get to watch uh, the, the Tennessee game, which um, I'm expecting a blowout. But we'll get, I guess we're going to talk about those games in a, uh, in a little bit. Um, let's, let's, hop into, uh, let's hop into last week's games. Uh, I don't want to bury the lead anymore or not that we bury the lead but i just want to get right into it because we all know the game like if you're listening to this podcast you want to hear us talk about georgia bama so let's let's uh let's just lead off the top with that one 41 24 man that was a here's the thing why is georgia alabama every single time every time they play tale of two halves kind of game like what is it about those teams so now that you bring that up uh there was a stat that they played on the broadcast that i want to read um and i took it a picture of it specifically so I could read it uh, on the podcast. In the first half, Georgia, the past, let's see, the last three times uh, Georgia and Alabama have met. So that's uh, the 2018 SEC title game, the 2017 national title game, and then uh, their game before that would have been, what, 2015? Yeah, right? they, yeah, when, when Bama boat raced them. So, yes. 
Uh, first half scoring, Georgia outscores Alabama 58 to 34. Okay. Uh, the second, <laughs> the second half and overtime, Alabama has outscored Georgia 68 to 17, Golly. which is unbelievable. So you talk about the tale of two halves. Plus and actually, overtime, you know, I, 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 I bet that stat. When, when was that posted? I bet it was talking about so, Saturday's game instead of the 2015 game. Oh yeah, you know what? That's it probably right. was. That, that's that's very obviously. So it's probably actually even worse if you go past the last four contests. You're right. I don't know right. why I assumed it was 2015, but uh, yeah, I think that's you know you talk about the tale of two halves. There it is, right there, black and white. Um, and I think it comes down to adjustments, and I think it comes down to coaching. Um, I, I feel like we say this every time Georgia and Alabama play, especially the SEC title game, and especially the national championship game preceding that. Um, I I think Alabama's just got the greatest football coach of all college football coach of all time. Sure. Um, and it's, it's pretty hard to argue against that. I think, um, you know, Georgia had a 70% chance to win, um, like right before halftime, according to ESPN. Yeah. And then as soon as the third quarter starts, you can see a massive dip in that. Well, um, now that you, I'm going to look up the two games prior to that and see what their percentages were at halftime. Cause I would have said it was more than 70 at halftime of the, the, uh, 2017 national championship. Yeah, well, and so, yeah, it dipped down to, I think, yeah, it dipped down to 65% chance of a Georgia victory after the 51-yard field goal. But, I mean, sure, the first half yeah. of this game, I just, I don't know. You look back at you look back at the, the contest that we're referring to, right? So, Saturday night, the 2018 SEC title game and the national title game, one team adjusts at halftime, and that's all on coaching. Um you know, what I'll never understand about this game break, and you were there, so maybe you can give me a little bit more intel. 85, 85% chance at halftime, by the way, of the... Uh, that's crazy. Of the, of the That's got to be the SEC. Of the national championship. Uh, that's the national championship. Wow. Because they scored that touchdown right before, and then they went yes. up, but let's see, like five minutes to go in the fourth, it was at 85 again. Four minutes yeah. in the fourth. Yep. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I, I, think it, I think it always goes down to coaching. Part of the coaching is... Georgia ran three designed run plays to their running back. Now they had two runs with Stetson Bennett, which I'll never understand. Design runs for Stetson Bennett. Uh, in the second half, after Alabama took over 27-24, mm-hmm. they ran three designed run plays. They were gashing Alabama all night. Um, you, it was remarkable to me that they just quit running the ball completely. Um, and Alabama just kind of ran away with it they controlled possession the rest of the game hitting uh 34 minutes of possession at 33 first downs and of course the big number you know well yards alabama had 564 yards to georgia's 414 uh but the big number is is the turnover margin yeah that was that Um, was georgia had georgia had three turnovers and i think after the first uh or excuse me i guess the first pick of the second half for stetson bennett that's when it felt like the air kind of went out of their tires um, and I think it was, it was a great job by Alabama keeping their foot on the gas. It felt like the defense started meshing and started gelling a little bit more. I'm hesitant to really buy back in and say, oh, yeah, they've kind of figured out some of their miscues. I'm not really sure that they have because uh, both of those picks were thrown uh, as Georgia was driving down the field. Um, you know, But again, I'll never understand. You're down by three. You haven't really had a negative rush play the entire game, and you stop running the football. And I never thought I'd argue for someone else to run the ball more against Alabama, but here we are. No, they absolutely, you're absolutely right. They should have. And that was a problem. That was another problem from the title game. I remember uh, Sony Michelle specifically, but even Nick Chubb to a, to a degree. Uh, but Sony Michelle was just gassing the Bama defense in that first half. And then in the second half, they, uh, they really stopped going to him. And, um, and that was a problem. So I, so back to Saturday though, not to harp too much on a three-year-old national title now. Um, I feel like, well, th- I think the loss, I can almost specifically point to Stetson Bennett wasn't good enough. Like, Georgia's, like, obviously Georgia hung in there for the half, and then, you know, when Jalen Waddell scored his 90-yard touchdown, and they went up by right. three or four with that touchdown. Uh, it was yeah, the first touchdown in the second half. Yes. Uh, that is where I think, maybe not Kirby Smart, but maybe Kirby Smart, whoever was really leading the offense, um, uh, offensive coordinator, whatever, they just th- then they lost their identity and they started to press in a way that they hadn't been in the first half and 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 Bennett could not he's just 
You know, he just is not the quarterback that's going to be able to do that against Alabama. Had had Jamie Newman been on the sideline, or maybe JT Daniels is healthy and has, you know, had a few starts under his belt, and he was playing, obviously, Justin Fields if he was still at Georgia. I, that would have been a completely different game in my mind. But it was this, it was just sure. the, the idea that, you know, Stetson Bennett is just not going to win he's them a national there. title. You know, it's, he's, he's not just there. not, yeah. he's not good enough to to overcome basically Alabama's offense. Georgia might win every game left on their schedule, but I don't know that he ha- that he's the guy that's going to win a shootout for Georgia. And if Georgia wants to make the playoff, they're going to need to beat Alabama in Atlanta later this year, probably, uh, more than likely, you know. More than and, likely, sure, sure. And a lot can happen between now and then too, right? DeJuan Mathis can start to figure it out and Georgia makes a switch. Or, you know, Stetson Bennett kind of settles in and really gets in a groove. And the next time Georgia meets Alabama, they kind of, keep to their identity and stay with the run game but that's it was it was a staring contest and georgia flinched first that was yeah they absolutely did who's gonna stick to their identity long you know long enough to win the game and it wasn't georgia um and i think i want to go go ahead ahead. finish finish your thought and then i'm gonna well i I was just gonna say i think now you can go back and look at that game and say oh my gosh well you know it was a complete blowout by Alabama, but this game didn't really feel like it was put away until about nine and a half minutes were left in the fourth quarter when Alabama yep. went up 41, 24, you know, it's, it's easy to look back now and say, Oh, that's it. You know? And I, I even said that a little bit after Stetson Bennett's first pick in the second half, but you know, Bama was only up by 10 going into the fourth quarter and Georgia had the ball. I mean, it, it wasn't really that far away. Um, but it just, you know, once Mac Jones really got settled, because I think the first half he was very, very rattled. I think the pick uh-huh. really rattled him to start off the game, but he still only threw eight incompletions, had four touchdowns and over 400 yards. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, there's two things, if you're an Alabama fan, that I think you learned about your team in this game. Um, one being, how big was it? And this is something that Alabama hasn't done in five years or more that they were able to, you know, before the half, Georgia scored, and they had all the momentum. And Mac Jones, we all knew the offense was good. We knew the passing game was good. We knew about the deficiencies in the defense. Those are things we knew. That Mac Jones was able to bring the team together, get them into a 52-yard field goal range, and you had the guy that can knock that down and just yes neutral. I don't know that it gave Alabama all the momentum, but it completely neutralized the momentum that Georgia had going into the second half. The fact that they yes, were able to do that. That's big that they have that. I knew Will Reichard was that guy. We just didn't get to see it because he got hurt last year. And, and he did start off a semi-rattled to start off his college career. But, I, I mean, obviously I watched him play at Hoover. And, and the kid would kick 60 yarders like it was nothing pregame. So, good that they yeah, have that. I mean- He's, he's definitely talented. I'm not sure I'm ready to say, oh, that's on lock now. He's going to start drilling 50-yarders left and right um, just because Alabama. No, but, but when is the last time you had the kicker that you knew could? I mean, Alabama would have never kicked that field goal if Belovis was back there. Never. Uh, no. Papanastos would never knock, he would never yeah, knock no. that through. Uh, you know, the last time they had a guy that, that they were willing to do that with was Adam Griffith, and he was – Decent, not great at long field goals. Um, well, and remember, kick six was a 56-yard field goal, and that was Adam Griffith. That was Griffith as a freshman. That was probably his first college kick uh, that I can remember. Uh, maybe it wasn't. I don't fully remember. But And then the other thing I wanted to bring up was you, you mentioned, you know, Alabama didn't look like they were going to win the game until nine-something in the fourth. So a big question mark early in the season that Alabama had that a lot of people were asking about was, you know, the offensive line was, was doing great in pass protection, but they weren't really running the ball super well. Uh, Najee Harris was getting his yards, but it wasn't... The fact, I mean, when when Bama went up with nine minutes left and the, they went 41-24, I mean, the game was over... The last nine minutes were over like that because it, Alabama just was able to, you know, in two drives, run out the clock. And right. that's against the number one defense and a damn good rush defense. And they were able to just... Right. You know, blow the air out of the ball. They, you know, took like a several minute drive. Then Georgia missed a field goal. Then Bama was just done. It was over. You know, it was two yeah. first downs in the game. They, I didn't know if they were going to be able to do that against Georgia. That was one of my concerns going in was how well sure. they'd be able to run. And 152 yards from Najee. Uh, I mean, they answered the bell big time. So to kind of wrap up this discussion, we're going to go. I want to go through Georgia's schedule and I'm going to ask you and you tell me win or loss. Okay. Um, They've got the week off this week. 
You've for got Georgia. At, gotcha. For Georgia, yes. You've got uh, at Kentucky on Halloween, ten thirty one. Oh, I mean, I think they win. I think they win the rest of the games on their schedule. But I'll go down the list. Uh, Kentucky's an easy win in my mind for Georgia. That's a blowout. Uh, cocktail party, eleven seven against Florida. That was an iffy one, but considering what Florida's going through and the lack of practice they're going to have had, I, I think they. I, I would give that a seventy, maybe eighty percent chance of Georgia. So I think that's a win. Uh, at Mizzou versus Mississippi State at South Carolina, I think all three of those could be wins. Versus Vanderbilt to end the season. Here's what I will say. They need to be careful against Kentucky. And I'm not saying Kentucky is going to beat Georgia. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that game's on the road. It's a nooner on Halloween. After you've had a two-week hangover, basically, against Alabama. uh, Mm -hmm. Where you had an emotional loss. Where it looked like you were going to win. They can't come out sleepy against Kentucky. Because what did Kentucky just do to a team that came out sleepy against Kentucky? They blew they out. To, they built. They blew out. They Tennessee. killed them. Yeah. Um. So and they really. You want to talk about taking air out the ball? Oh, buddy, that game was bad. It was bad. Kentucky's defense outscored Tennessee's offense. Okay. In the first five minutes of the game. And and, and honestly, they were up so big so quick. You thought that there'd be a chance that Tennessee could, you know, all right, kind of gather themselves and make it a game. And Kentucky never gave them that chance. It was sure. very and impressive it, the way that they didn't even let Tennessee sniff a comeback i mean the game never got close again i mean tennessee scored once and it was late so here's my here's my counterpoint to that guess when alabama plays kentucky <laughs> uh, oh boy i don't remember where that is on the schedule um it is between lsu and before auburn now right. i know in a, a normal year we could call this a 100 percent trap game it is after lsu at lsu at 6 p.m it is before the Iron Bowl. That is a trap game if I've ever heard of one, right? Yeah, right. Alabama needs to make sure they're awake against Kentucky. I'm not, again, not saying that they're going to lose to Kentucky. That's not what I'm saying at all. I expect them to put LSU and Kentucky away pretty handedly, actually. However, you can't come out sleepy against Kentucky. No, It just can't. can't happen. And then honestly, looking at at Arkansas on the road a week after the Iron Bowl, that's going to be a tough one, too. Both of those defenses have played extremely well this season. So I expect Alabama and Georgia to both win out and make it to the SEC title game. What happens then I think is a lot more up to Georgia than it is Alabama because do I think Alabama won this game? Yeah, I do. Do I think that Georgia kind of lost this game by beating themselves? Yeah, I kind of think that too. Uh, No, I mean, Georgia was in the driver's seat at halftime and before halftime and early third quarter. I mean, they were in the driver's seat of the game and they – Alabama took the lead with the touchdown, 90-yard touchdown, but Georgia gave it away just the same and never let – I mean, they never threatened again after Alabama kind of got rolling. and that. So right. there is a mix of both. If I'm Georgia, and this is just me, I, you just learned – all right, you know what you need to win a national title. You know you need to win out, and you need to beat Alabama and Atlanta, and you're in. Right? Boom. You're good. You just learned Stetson Bennett's not that guy for you. He's just not going to do it. He's not going to beat Alabama in a – Shootout, not going to happen. If he's healthy, I don't know what his status is. They cleared him. JT Daniels should be taking the first snap against him. You make the change right now. They got the bye week, right? So you don't announce it till next week because so, you don't want to give Kentucky two weeks to prepare. But on Monday, you need to say, and we'll see if this happens, you have to say JT Daniels is our starter. Well, and it depends you on got, how healthy you JT got, Daniels actually is, right? Right, but if he's cleared, I mean, listen, that's crappy on the Georgia staff if they cleared him and he's not healthy. He's cleared. If he's cleared, he should be able to play, and he should, if he's cleared, then he should be playing. I mean, he's... It just makes me wonder what's going on. Because I don't think it's like a Stetson Bennett won the team sort of deal. I mean, he was hurt. I mean, it's it's a weird offseason. You know, he, he transferred late, so he wasn't... They didn't have a spring, but he wouldn't have been there for the spring. And then... He was st- he was still not fully cleared to practice with the first team offense and and play in the you know those kind of situations. So I think it was just a matter of he hadn't learned the offense yet. Weird off season, but I mean you're you're at you're at the crossroads in your season now. Uh, you just gotta you've got a, a what should be an easy win at Kentucky. You play him this yeah. week, and then he gets the week to get prepared for Florida. He gets two weeks to work with the first team while off for your bye week. Then you get Kentucky foot. It has to happen. There's not a better chance on your schedule to make the switch 
than right now. And nobody yeah. will fault you for it. So you're right. You're right. Uh, let's, we're going to move on. Um, we're just going to kind of rip through a few of these. Uh, the only games that I want to talk are ACC games kind of after this. Um, well, after our discussions next. But uh, Clemson beat Georgia Tech 73-7. to um, If you're thinking they ran up the score, you really should they go watch film of that game. They didn't. Georgia <laughs> they Tech's did not. just that bad. 35 uh, points in the second. That's five touchdowns in the second yes. quarter. Um, Trevor Lawrence, this is just a funny little note that was brought up by our friends over at Shutdown Fullcast. Uh, Trevor Lawrence threw for 404 yards. Georgia's big hashtag and their big thing this year has been for the 404, the area yeah. code. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, that's just, that's beautiful college football poetry. Uh, Notre Dame beat Louisville, I guess. It was 12 to 7. Notre Dame's now ranked fourth. I cannot wait for that Notre Dame loss because nobody They're ranked third. Coming. They're third now. They're ranked third now. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Because Georgia lost and they bumped up, which is and astounding to me. Notre Dame moved um, up after beating an awful Louisville team by five. Y- yes. Yes. Uh, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Uh, Texas A&M won 28-14. Not a whole lot of beautiful football being played here. Kellen Mond, who seemed like a world beater last week, uh, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn this week, which is very just, sleepy game. It was a very sleepy it was, game. It was really, it was a really sloppily played game. Miami went 31-19 on Pitt, despite the rushing leader in this game only having 32 yards, and that was Miami's quarterback, Tierra King. Uh, Let's get to the two games that I want to talk about from the SEC before we move into the ACC, uh, or I guess back into the ACC. Auburn at South Carolina. Auburn has run into the same thing that Georgia has, in my opinion, where you have a guy, and we've said this, you know, this has been the the theme for Auburn for years, right? They've got a high-octane, fast-paced, Gus Malzahn offense, whoop-de-doo, if they can just get a running back, they'll be fine, right? Well, they they just got, a, they got a damn good running back now. And now they've got arguably one of the best in the SEC. I'd say top three running backs in the SEC and Tank yeah. Bigsby. 16 carries, 111 yards, one touchdown. Let me repeat that. 16 carries, 111 yards, one touchdown. Okay. Bo Nix threw the ball 47 ungodly times in this game. For 272 yards, threw three bad interceptions, one touchdown, yelled at several of his wide receivers, yelled at several of his linemen. Uh, hasn't really been open to the media since then that I've seen. Uh, Brick, you may be able to tell no, me a little bit more about that. He has not spoken with the media this week. And they use they, they have him talk every week. Auburn outgained South Carolina 481 to 297. They had seven more first downs than South Carolina did and only had the ball three minutes less than South Carolina did. How did Auburn lose this game, Brick? They, they, their play calling is still, I don't care if Atrocious. It's, I don't care if it's Rhett Lashley. I don't care if it's Gus Malzahn. I don't care if it's Chad Morris calling the place. It continues to be awful. And, and this was Bo Nix's worst collegiate showing. I mean, not just beyond the interceptions, because oh, he played an far. awful game against Florida last year, but... The, the 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 body language he showed in this game uh, and the rest of his offense. And, and it was, I mean, it, it could be nothing. It could be a one week they were frustrated. But if there's any kind of carryover, I mean, there's real frustration brewing everywhere. And it's it's pointed at Bo and it's pointed toward Gus Malzahn. Now, the problem with Auburn, Georgia has another quarterback they can and should turn to. Auburn doesn't. Bo Nix is their guy. You know who their backup is? I guarantee I you, you don't. Tell you. Yeah, I guarantee could not you don't. tell you. He's a, he's a he's like a 27-year-old named Cord Sandberg. He's like a baseball player. He's basically Chris Winkie without talent. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean obviously you're not going to turn it over to Cord Sandberg. And then that's it. That I mean they don't have a they got a guy committed, but not on campus right now. <laughs> I think that's the meanest thing you've ever said about anybody who I no, literally it, have never seen play a game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cord Sandberg was never supposed to be the backup quarterback at Auburn. It was right. either supposed to be Nix or right. Joey Gatewood, who's now at Kentucky. But, like, you know, no, he, he's at Auburn right now because he wants to be a coach, right? He, he went uh, back, he's going to finish out his career, and he's going to go become a right. grad assistant. You through, know, that's... <sighs> through 12 games last season, Bo Nix threw six interceptions. Through four games this season, he's thrown four. Yeah, no, I mean, and and he was bad against Georgia. He wasn't great against. He hasn't been great 
he's a five star. He was the number one uh, dual threat quarterback in his class. I mean, when you come to Auburn and you have those kind of credentials and everything that he did in this state in high school, Mister Football and all that, like you're expected to be great. And he's never been even remotely great. He's had moments, right? I've talked about it on this podcast. I think he's a very talented kid, and I think he's going to be ruined by Auburn. I think yes. if he was at Oregon, I think if he was at another school, he'd already be succeeding with flying colors. But he's just been good, not great in some games. He's been awful in like some others. Like maybe if he and, went to Georgia. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I, like I'm not, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but it, like it just kind of seems like that would have been the natural fit. Uh, his, uh, um, yeah, he was always going to go to Auburn just because his dad. Well, was, sure, was famous sure. there, it's but a legacy thing, and I get that. But you know, I, it's just Gus Malzahn. Has I think we brought this up last week? Has never, ever developed a quarterback. He's hit. He's had lightning in a bottle twice in his career. We'll go with three times in his career, but twice as a head coach. Obviously, Cam Newton. He was the offensive coordinator when that happened. Um, then he took over at Auburn. He got lightning in a bottle with with Nick Marshall because he had a very at the time innovative offense with a dual threat dude that could run it, and Nick Marshall could throw a little bit. Good, not great, and then. The one year that he had with uh, Jarrett Stidham. But if you look every time, even Nick Marshall, a little bit lesser to a degree, but in year two under Gus Malzahn, his quarterbacks are always so much worse, right? What, how different was Jarrett Stidham in year two under Gus Malzahn compared to the year he beat Alabama? Yeah, in, oh, in sure. Nine? Yeah, exactly. Awful. And then uh, uh, Jeremy Johnson completely ruined him, could not develop him. That was a guy he recruited, could not develop at all. Uh, Sean White looked good the year that he ended up as the starter, came in next year as the starter, and he was benched by game three. It was awful. He cannot he – can't, so, He can't develop. He can't develop, which is why I think if Auburn can gather the money and Auburn's season keeps being lackluster, lukewarm like it is now, I think he's gone. Because you can't yes. have the best quarterback that you've recruited, maybe ever, in Bo Nix as far as credential-wise – uh, I can't think no. of, I mean, obviously Cam Newton was, was, was better, yeah. but they didn't recruit him. They, he transferred, but they right. have Bo no, Nix. You can't call. have four years of Bo Nix and have this be the four years you get out. They have to get a guy in here, an offensive minded guy that by the time Bo Nix is a junior is putting that guy in the league so that you can light, you know, they've wasted so many good defenses with lackluster. Now their defense is just okay. And, and this is what we're going to get. And I, I don't know. I just went off on him a little bit. But this is all, for me, it's not, I mean, it's Nix has been bad. But he hasn't been put in positions to succeed because of the awful play calling and awful offensive uh, uh, developer that Gus Malzahn is. Sure. And I, one thing I do want to point out, too, um, it, it's not just development. It's it's in-game situations. A, a lot of people point to the to the latter part of the game and, you know, sort of the second half. Again, why the hell aren't you running the ball? Uh, the thing that I will point to, um, Auburn goes up 3 nothing in the first quarter. Four minutes later, they score another touchdown. Okay, Or they score a touchdown, the first touchdown of the game. And they decide to go for two. And it, it's, it's not like South Carolina had really moved the ball to that point in the game. Okay, And I don't think this is the reason they lost. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, then you get down to it, and you look at the final score, they lose by eight. Do you think Auburn was pressing? I felt like they were pressing at the end of the game because they knew they had to go for two. And it seemed like yeah. it created a lot more stress than I think people... And I haven't really seen anybody bring this up, but the fact that Auburn went for two seems completely dumb and ludicrous to me. It's it's just something... It's like he's playing Madden. It's like he's not even really coaching a game. He, they called three, like, three drives in a row. They called a trick play. And two of them worked. Kind of. Two of them, quote unquote, worked. One of them got him like eleven yards, and you know, an outstretched arm converted a first down. But it was awful. It was absolutely awful. There's no reason in the SEC that you should not be running the football. I, I said this last week. You have to establish the run. And I know that offenses are going more, you know, air raid and you know more through the air and quick screen routes and RPOs and all that. I get it. I totally get that college football, and I've succeeded. I've, I've succeeded this point to you many times. It is a passing game now. I get it, but you have to at least attempt to establish the run. And then I don't understand when you do establish the run, going away from it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And the teams that no, have been successful, right. the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons of the world. Even though Clemson's big name right now is Trevor Lawrence, who's their other big name? Yeah, it's Travis Etienne. Do you know why? Because if Trevor Lawrence is having a bad day, they can give him the ball 50 times and they will score 
six touchdowns off of it. But Auburn refuses to do it year in and year out. So we can talk about developing the quarterback and how that's been a failure for a long time. The other two failures are, well, game management, one, and two, stupid play calling. No, it's a, it's atrocious that Tank Bigsby only had 16 touches. He didn't even have a it's catch. Awful. I don't believe he had a catch in this game. So, you know, he's 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 the future of this offense. I know Bo Nix is, is, is part of that future, but we have learned that Tank Bigsby is going to be great. And yes. he was. He was great in this game. He had 16 he was carries awesome and 111 yards and was popping off runs and was doing it. And then the second half, they stopped going to him. They, and, just, they didn't want to do it anymore. And I, 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 do, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. So we'll move on from Auburn. It'll be interesting to see where they go the rest of the season. Kentucky beat the daylight, <laughs> beat the daylights out of Tennessee. I'm sorry. You I'm needed sorry. that. I shouldn't you cackle. needed this. You needed this. Game. I, I, I didn't. I didn't mean to cackle. That was mean to me. That was mean. To me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm, I'm really done this time. Um, Jaron Garantano did not hit 100 yards in the game through two picks after it looked like he was pretty lights out against Georgia. Um, also, hey, uh, hey Tennessee, if you're giving up 12 of 15 passes for 101 yards and a touchdown to uh, Terry Wilson and the boys, what do you think Mac Jones is about to do this week? Like, I, I don't know. Tennessee had four turnovers. Uh, still were only outgained by seven yards. Um, and first downs were equal. That's because I, of the the two, the two pick sixes. It's I mean that's all you need. That's, Kentucky that's never it. needed a reason to throw the ball again. They just kept no. running, and Kentucky, Tennessee wasn't stopping it. So they went all right, fine, kept running it with a, with a yes, host of dudes. Uh, pick pick sixes on consecutive drives. Um, Kentucky was in Tennessee's backfield all day. I think if you're Nick Saban in Alabama, you're looking at this game this upcoming weekend and licking your chops. Um, you know, I, again. <laughs> I, Eric Gray had 24 carries for 128 yards, no touchdowns. They kept, and obviously, you know, you go down 17 to seven at halftime, you've got to start throwing the ball, but it just seemed like they pressed and Tennessee didn't score a point in quarters one, three or four. It's, it's how, how does this happen? It's, 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 at a, home. it's, but that's the story of Tennessee. That's the story of Tennessee. The last five, six, seven years is they have a, uh, some some years, the years that they've had good starts, this is what happens, right? Yes. I mean, right. I think back to Josh Dobbs and Kamara and uh, I forgot the other run, Hurd. Um, yes. That season that they were actually a good team and then they lost a game and then Bama completely embarrassed them and their yes. season, and it was over and it was over and they, you know. And they, they had came out. The, the legitimate Sorry, title hope that year. This, But this is what, what I'm saying is this is what Tennessee has done and continues doing. They had a good start. People are taking them seriously as a threat in the East. They lose to Georgia. Okay, teams do that. Yes, you didn't play well in the second half, but that's what happens. How are you going to respond? This is how Tennessee always does it. Every time they face that adversity of losing to a game after a good start, they crumble. And they this is, this is a, as bad of a crumble as they've had. Yes. Well, and I'll say this too. Um, you want to talk about a bad crumble... Uh, it came out earlier this week, I think Monday or Tuesday, that not only had Tennessee uh, head coach Jeremy Pruitt fired Jimmy Brumbaugh, the D-line coach for the Volunteers, uh, he had fired him in the middle of the game. I didn't hear On that the it was the middle of the game. Addressed him, informed him he no longer had a position. I don't know if he was told to leave the sidelines or if he was able to stay, but Jeremy Pruitt did admit this week that during the game, during the game, he informed him that his services would no longer be required by the University of Tennessee. I really want to know what happened in the middle of that game because I've never heard of I, I that do happening. Too. I do too. And honestly, and I you don't... thought Lane Kiffin on the tarmac was bad. I, I, you know, I guess it's because they didn't get enough quarterback pressure because they let Terry Wilson go twelve for fifteen. Uh, well, he called it. Uh, he called it like. What did he say? He, he said it was like a. Uh, it was it was a difference of philosophies was his yeah excuse. yeah a difference of philosophies so they got in Which, a fight what is what is your philosophy on like even then that's a dumb excuse because what that's is your the, philosophy on the defensive line it should be go hit the quarterback as hard as you can if that's not your philosophy then yeah we have a difference of philosophies I just that means I don't the, know. that means the defensive line coach 
d- disrespected him in some way over the headset, and and Pruitt was like, "You're out of here, dude. I'm You're tired done. of this." So let me ask you this. And he sent uh, a to message to everybody up, else. To kind of wrap up the Patrick Norwood happiness tour, um, who's worse off right now, Tennessee or Auburn? Uh, not only short term but long term. Um, I would still say right now the it's still it's a little bit more bleak for Auburn just because Tennessee is not interested. They they think they have the coach that they need. Auburn is not there, so they're about to go through a COVID coaching search, in my opinion. Then I would say Auburn, but it's not by much. Both of them are kind of looking pretty. Uh, bad, I think, uh, yeah, I think short term the answer is Tennessee, but I think long term the answer is Auburn. Uh, you look at Tennessee's recruiting class this year; you can't knock it, right? I mean, it was impressive. They pulled in a lot of foreign yeah, five stars. At a very high Some level. of those guys did left and did leave. Um, and you know, you had Jerry Garantano, who again two weeks ago against Georgia looked pretty dang good. I mean, didn't look bad. He's looking real bad now, but he didn't look bad that game, right? And it's, uh, ooh, buddy, I'd hate to be Tennessee these next few weeks um, going through the rest of the college football season, uh, but I would really hate to be Auburn long-term. I don't know who they go and get right now that's really just that guy. Um, um, yeah. Wait, I, are we talking about quarterback-wise or coaching-wise? I missed your point Coaching-wise. Coaching-wise. Coaching-wise for Auburn. For Auburn, um, the names that people are going to... You're going to hear a lot about Hugh Freeze. Uh, You're going to hear Sark's name come up. Um, I I would try to make... If I was Auburn... Well, actually, I just... I would would go after Sark, and then I'd try to make, like... I I don't know. A guy like Brent Venables say no. Well, do you go after Lane Kiffin? You could go after Lane Kiffin. Um... See that's, that's. I think that's they should go my, after an offensive mind uh, that runs yes. a completely different philosophy than what Malzahn does, but more of an yes. air raid deal. But anyway, yeah, I mean those are the names you'll hear come up. Uh, they'll, Auburn fans will say that you know maybe they can throw enough money at Cristobal, but I don't think Cristobal's leaving for Auburn to come coach against Saban and the SEC. Yeah. But I've heard, right. I've seen chatter on Twitter, people thinking like, hey, you know, if he wants an SEC job, let's get him before Alabama gets him. Sure. Well, and that's. You could see it. You could see it. So, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at. Uh, only a couple more uh, things that I want to talk about uh, from this week. Um, your postponed games were Oklahoma State at Baylor, Cincinnati at Tulsa, LSU at Florida was postponed, which was a bummer. I was really looking forward to watching that game and figuring out what Florida is actually made of. Um, Southern Miss at UTEP, Vanderbilt at Missouri, FIU at Charlotte. Brick, should we be concerned that we're reading more and more post- postponed games? Every single week, but we'll get to that discussion later. Uh, <laughs> Boston College at Virginia Tech. Let me tell you how I knew that North Carolina was in a whole lot of trouble <laughs> uh, Saturday, other than the fact of how I watched their game Saturday night and the way that they played Saturday night. Boston College, a team that gave UNC hell, lost 40-14 to to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Okay, that's not just a little bit of a good game. That is a slaughter. Um, Hendon Hooker, Virginia Tech's quarterback, ran for 164 yards against Boston College. And then you get to Saturday night. North Carolina at Florida State. Florida State goes up, what was it, 27 nothing? No, 28 nothing maybe? 24 nothing, I think? I think they were it up was- 31-7 at one point. 31-7. Yeah, yes, that was the halftime right score. That. Yes, that was the halftime score. Yeah, that score. was the halftime score. Now, in North Carolina's defense, they did beat that same Virginia Tech team that I was just talking about somewhat soundly. They kind of, kind of let them kind of creep back into it. But as soon as Florida State went up 17-0, I knew this was going to go bad. Now, I like I said, I'm very impressed with the way that UNC came back. But we talked about it a few weeks ago. Is this really UNC's year? Can we buy them as a top-five team? And I told you I just need more source material. Yeah. I think I have all the source material I need. If you're out gaining someone 558 to 432, you have 11 more first downs than they do, and you're leading time of possession by about seven and a half minutes, you shouldn't lose. You just should not lose. And it was was a weird game for North Carolina. The highlights, if you haven't seen the highlights from this game, Brick, you should. Because it's like Sam Howell actually had a decent night. He's 20 for 36. Almost threw for 400 yards and had three touchdowns. Um, they ran the ball well. Uh, Javante Williams, 18 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. Like, they didn't play a bad game. But the moments where they messed up, they messed up colossally. I don't know if they overlooked Florida State. 
I don't know if this is just kind of who North Carolina is at this point, but when it was there, I think at least two or three times where it was third and short, third and medium, and they're taking 10 yard sacks. They're, you know, not only, <laughs> not only are you hitting the ejector seat before the plane even goes down. I mean, you're hitting the ejector seat and knocking yourself out by hitting yourself on the head with the frame of the plane before you can even get to your parachute. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was bad if you were a North Carolina fan in this one. They had a lot of bad draws, but they were 2-for-12 on third downs. They were 0-for-3 on fourth downs, and they still had 558 yards. They had 374 yards passing, and they lost a game to a team that, let's face it, narrowly beat an FCS team a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I guess group of five, but you know what I mean. Well, one a, thing we... A one, borderline FCS school. <laughs> yes, uh, Florida's sort of... Florida State. No, it's a it's a it's a huge blemish on North Carolina's schedule. And yeah, I mean, I, I think we stopped taking them seriously as a contender. I think we all know what's going to happen when they face uh, Clemson. Uh, if they do face Clemson in the ACC championship, they still got Notre Dame and Miami on their schedule. NC State's actually ranked. That's who they play next. Um, no, it, it, maybe like remember when we, you brought up our conversation a few weeks ago, and I said I sort of felt like we're maybe a year mach- too premature for North Carolina. Yeah, that's yeah. what I learned. I, we're 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 year ahead. Florida State at the same time. Yeah, they've been a laughing stock. Their their only win was not an impressive win over George, uh, Jacksonville State. They've sort of been turning a curve. I'm not saying they're about to turn it around and have a winning season, but they found their quarterback. Uh, Travis has has been good for them. Um, the team sort of believing a little better. You know, they they dealt with the coach not coaching for two weeks and all that crap. And uh, I'm not saying they're about to go. You know beat Clemson or anything or go even beat uh, anybody else on their schedule. But Syracuse? Yeah, I mean, like, you look at Florida State, it's just, it's not there. It's definitely turning around a little bit, but it shouldn't be turning around this much where you beat a top-five team. No, well, I don't think, I mean, North Carolina should have never been top-five to begin with. Right, right. But, and you know, the sensible Heels fans that listen to this podcast, there's two or three of them, uh, Agree with me and completely understand that, yes, this is probably not the year. Next year would be the year if they were really going to get it done and go far, right? Which, to be fair, what that sort of details as a North Carolina football team, you're not really sure, right? Is that is really the pinnacle of success reaching the playoffs? Maybe, but probably not when you've got Clemson in the same. I really think, realistically, it's a one or two loss season for them, right? Which they could still achieve this season. There yeah, are some North Carolina fans, however, that think that this game was a fluke, that the refs screwed them, that you know it was just a, a, a list of bad luck, which they did have a lot of bad luck in this game. But Florida State put it on them hard in the first half. They didn't score a point in the second half, and North Carolina still lost. I mean, that's Florida State's – that's been their moniker. And I actually thought they were going to lose once North Carolina started coming back because they did the same did thing too. against Georgia Tech. I really did. And Boise State last year. It's sort of their – their thing is they, they sometimes come out and play like world beaters for a half, and they always lose that game in the second half. So, right. I mean, I guess good on Mike Norvell for, you know, kind of... Did you see the way they lost, by the way? Yes. The end of the game? The two yes. drop passes, third and fourth yes. down? I mean, North Carolina was going to tie that game. Yes. North Carolina lost that game. I mean, they had two easy, easy dropped passes. Oh, oh, boy. Woof. They should have won. They should have tied it and then won in overtime because FSU was not winning that game in overtime. No, no, but, they weren't. They you know. weren't. Um, but that's it. That's it. Uh, that's that's all I wanted to say about North Carolina. We'll see where they go uh, this weekend. Let's go ahead and move into next week. Is there any other? I do want to talk about one more game just right quick. Uh, Coastal Carolina, Shant's up. Shant clears, baby. That's big. Thirty dog. to twenty-seven over Louisiana. They're ranked as now, we, right? As we all saw it, they are ranked. They yeah. are ranked. Talk to your kids about a ranked Coastal Carolina. Ooh, I'm not, I don't know if they're ready for that discussion. All right, let's move on to Week 8. Week 8, we've got some good games, not a ton of good games. Syracuse yeah, sort of is going to get clubbed by Clemson. We do get the Big Ten back. Nebraska is going to get just massacred by Ohio State. We finally get to see Justin Fields back on the field. I'm actually low-key kind of excited about that. I really yeah, don't big like noon, baby. Or I really do not like Ohio State, usually as a program. I really like Justin Fields, and I think it's a lot of fun to watch him play football. Uh, you've got, uh, the triangles, biggest rivalry in NC state at North Carolina, North Carolina dropping down to 14, by the way, uh, that's a nooner. Um, I, I think we're all, you and I are in agreement on those first three Clemson, Ohio state, and probably North Carolina winning those games. Correct. 
Probably. NC State's been better than I expected them to be. Um, so if North Carolina has a hangover from their you know, embarrassing loss at Florida State in a noon game, I always sort of proceed to these noon games with a little bit of caution. You know, UNC's favored by 15 and a half. I would probably... I would probably go with NC State there covering that. I, I've got I've got NC State covering that right now in our pick'em that we do, but I I'm not I haven't, I haven't I'm not super I'm not super confident about it. Um, Georgia Southern at Coastal Carolina will get finally get to see Coastal Carolina as a ranked team. Talk to your kids about a ranked Coastal Carolina. Auburn at Ole Miss. Can we pause on this one for a second? Why is Auburn a three and a half point favorite in this game? Because uh, Ole Miss is one and three, and you don't know what you're getting with them. I mean, they look. I mean, Ole Miss. If there's one team that was more embarrassing offensively last week than Auburn, it was Ole Miss. That's true. Uh, I mean, Matt Corral comes out against Alabama and really every other team he'd played, even though they lost those games, and looked like a really good quarterback. He threw six picks, two pick sixes last week against Arkansas. Another thing that should be mentioned is the job that Sam Pittman is doing. They should be three and one. They should be ranked. They got yes. screwed over, and the Auburn should be one and three. Whatever. But our, the, the, the turnaround job that Sam Pittman is doing at Arkansas, I mean, I expected nothing because that, that hire felt boring, you know, because Arkansas couldn't get anybody in the building to even consider them. So they had to go with an offensive line coach from Georgia who's clearly just going to take the job because he never expected it. But, man, he is yes. really doing a great job there. I'm not turning it around. I'm excited to see what he can do in a few years. Yeah, I, I am too. Uh I think I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover here, especially because they're playing this game at home. Um, and Auburn's just that much of a dumpster fire. Auburn's defense has been terrible this year as well. Oh, I'm taking I'm taking Ole Miss. I don't know if Auburn can. I, I you can't you can't bank on Corral coming out and throwing six interceptions again. Uh, yes. And and I don't know that Auburn's going to be able to win a shootout like this, right? Ole Miss. No, we I, saw how Ole either. Miss played at home against Bama, and I know that was their Super Bowl, and they pulled out all the stops, and that was the game that they and circled they still red on the calendar. And they still a touchdown every single drive, yeah. But, yeah, and, and so this is what I've been saying all week at work about Auburn and saying on air about them, is that this, this has to be the get-right game for Auburn, as far especially offensively, because Ole Miss is the second to last ranked defense in the country, worse than the SEC, worse than Ole Miss, or sorry, worse than Vanderbilt, worse than all, uh, second to last in the country. If you cannot figure it out offensively this week, it's going to get ugly. That this yeah. is, this is where you'll st- if they lose this game, this is where the fire Gus Malzahn is going to get higher really than it's ever been at Auburn. You know, because yes. his thing is he always has the bad season, and then Auburn's like, all right, we're going to wait and see You know, if it's bad next year. And then he beats Alabama or beats somebody that he shouldn't, and then they keep him. If yes. they lose to yep. Ole Miss, he might not make it to the end of the season. I, I agree with that. I, I really agree Except with that. Except that his buyout, buyout is insane is because they kept, he kept, every every now and again he beats Bama and they give him some big raise. So his buyout, buyout is insane. Is massive. Uh, <coughs> Oklahoma at TCU and the Nooner, uh, big noon. I believe that's big noon Saturday. No, it's not. Nebraska and Ohio State's big noon Saturday. No, you've just got a regular old nooner. Just a regular old nooner for just the a regular, Sooners. This is a boring nooner. Um, I'm going I'm to take the Sooners big here. I don't think TCU puts up much of a fight. Um, despite beating Texas, Texas really lost that game. I don't think TCU yeah. really won it. I'm going to uh, take TCU Oklahoma. lose their quarterback? No, I'm thinking of Kansas State. I'm thinking, uh, thinking the other, of Kansas the, State. The yeah. other purple team. The, the other purple team from the Big 12 that's just kind of meh. That's uh, also beating Oklahoma and Texas and stuff like that, yeah. I, I don't really see any games we need to talk about. Florida State at Louisville could be fun to watch, but I don't think it's going to be a good game. I'm going to take Florida State by six in that one. Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, that could be good. I, I mean, we're, we're, we have to figure out. At some point, we need to figure well, out now, if we're going to take well, Oklahoma now, State seriously. Well, now, hold on. I'm not taking Oklahoma State seriously. I can't. And I really am not sure they're going to win this weekend. But you did just skip over a very important game. Uh, Southern Miss and Liberty? The Death Star is fully operational right now, my sir. Okay. I can't believe you just skipped over that. You really don't think the Death Star is coming up this weekend? Oh, buddy. It's, it's, it's coming out. Oh, buddy. I, I, I fully expect going to the fourth quarter, Notre Dame. This is probably your worst recurring Pitt, theme 14. we've ever had on this podcast. I, I, love, I love the Death Star. This, this is your worst recurring theme. You Look, called them the, that three weeks ago. They were three and zero, and you were like, "Hey, I'm you know that they've lost three straight." And you were just and what did, and with what it. what did I say three weeks ago? You can go back and listen to it. 
I said they'll probably drop one or two games between now and Notre Dame, and then for whatever reason, <laughs> they, they dropped get all up of Notre them. Dame. They, am I wrong though? You're gonna sit here and tell me that I'm wrong? Look she, at the wore last crown, she wore a crown. She wore a crown and came down from a bubble, Doug. <laughs> They're, they've done this three years straight. They lose to ridiculous opponents that they arguably shouldn't lose to in games that they arguably shouldn't lose. And then for whatever reason, oh, sorry, UCF. Oh, sorry, Clemson. That's true. All right, fine. Look what I'm happened. Taking it. Like, nope. That's what I'm saying. I'm taking Pitt outright. <laughs> outright. Don't do that. At Heinz Field. No, outright at Heinz Field. You've, you've sold that. me. Outright, uh, even though Kenny Pickett's not playing in the game. I do not believe in Oklahoma State. Um, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, yes, they've had two weeks of prep for this game, but their best win right now on their schedule is, I mean, I guess they did beat West Virginia 27-13, but, I mean, they beat Tulsa by nine, and that's one of their wins, and the other wins against uh, Kansas. So <sighs> Guys I don't really dudes. believe. I don't. I can't understand why Oklahoma State is ranked sixth. But stranger things have happened. Well, that's I think, because Notre Dame's third, and no, I mean we haven't, we have no Pac-12. They just started putting the uh, to the Big Ten right. teams back in the rankings this Which week. So it's a brings weird. Us, mwah, it's weird. Yeah, it, it brings us to the political I don't know why platform. I did a chef's kiss. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it it brings us to the political platform that Pat's interference has had for years now, which is rankings are stupid until the first week of November anyway. Don't the only reason they have rankings before November is so that they can get viewership in the middle, like when so ABC can get more viewers when they're able to yeah, say so we can have know, Big Noon Saturday number two versus number seventeen. Ranked, yeah, you know, ranked Texas and Oklahoma. Sure. I mean, the perfect example of this is the Iowa State Oklahoma State game, right? They're going to get so many more viewers just because they're able. You know, if you just say Iowa State versus Oklahoma State this Saturday, nobody nobody bats an eye. You go, yeah. number 17 travels to number 6, and everybody loses their minds. Yes. That was, that was oh, the Joker. And, the, and yeah. that was a Joker scene in, the, uh, in, the, in the, one of the best scenes the, from one the, of the best movies ever made. And, and the old Pat's interference. Uh, I'm going to take Iowa State here, honestly. Um, I know this game is being played at Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater, but I'm still going to take Iowa State. Let's do it. Let's both take them. I like it. Uh, Penn State at Indiana. Penn State. Uh, Virginia Tech at Wake. Let's not even go over it. Uh, Baylor at Texas could be a fun one. I'm gonna take. I'm probably gonna take Texas here. I really do think they'll get the job done, but I think it'll be a lot closer than people think. Um, as far as other entertaining games go, before we move on to the Alabama Tennessee game, South, you got to keep an eye on South Carolina LSU. LSU's not. I mean, Miles Brennan has not been great this year, but he's been. Yes. he's been okay. It's their defense that's the problem. He's just. He just really the worst thing you can. The best. The worst thing you can really say about Miles Brennan is that he's not Joe Burrow, but everybody knew that. He's not playing. He's injured, so they're going to have to start a freshman. Uh, I think Michigan at Minnesota is going to be a good game. I think, like you said, South Carolina at LSU is going to be a good game. West Virginia, Texas Tech. A lot of these evening games are going to be great. The game I'm going to keep my eye on is the 9 o'clock kick Cincinnati at SMU. And I know that sounds like a joke. Shane Bouchel is the real deal, man. He is the real deal. And that Cincinnati defense... Although it's it hasn't been great this year, I'm not really sure. I, I mean, it's been good this year, but they haven't played a lot of great opponents, right? They've got uh, they've got three wins this season. One of them is against a uh, a, a Austin P team that's been atrocious this year and lost to the Death Star by 55. Uh, they did beat Army, which is a good win, but that team never throws the football, especially not like SMU does. And Tulsa, uh, or the Tulsa game got postponed. Their other win is USF. Who's atrocious? This, so and I'm, this might I'm be not really the sure only, I'm buying Cincinnati. This might be the only game on the schedule this week that that is two undefeated teams. Unless you're going to count all the Mountain West and Big Ten teams, they're technically all undefeated too. But right, uh, right. This I think um, this is the only real undefeated matchup of the week. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I think uh, I, I like BYU um, a lot. By the way, I think BYU is severely underranked. I think you could flip Oklahoma State and BYU and be just fine. Zach, um, this Zach Wilson kid at BYU, everybody's talking about him. I'm gonna have to, to since I won't be at a game. I'm gonna real and all my other games will be. Uh, you know what? Over. We should just watch these two games together. Why not? I'm going to try to. Uh, I'm gonna try to watch this game if I'm at home. And if I'm out, I'm gonna try to watch it. As, I want to see a little bit of Zach Wilson. And this is on if, the if you if you were at home, I hope you call me. I would love to watch this SMU game with you, and then follow it up with a nice little cocktail of uh, BYU Texas State. Yeah, let's do it. Alabama at Tennessee. 330 kick. 
the fourth Saturday in October brick, one that we've always loved. Uh, what's your score prediction for this game? Let's just do that. Uh, I think Tennessee has lost their way. Um, now, the only reason I sort of take a grain of salt with any of this was just because of what we saw Alabama do against Ole Miss. But I don't think that Tennessee is that offense, and I don't think Jeremy Pruitt or anybody there can call a game like Lane Kiffin called that week. So, I think this is a blowout. I don't think that this game's close. Um, and I, I, I would... I would venture to say that Bama wins this game by at least three touchdowns. I'm going to say four touchdowns in this game. I'm going to go with, like, 48-20. I, I really, um, had you asked me two weeks ago, I would have been a lot more worried about this game than I am now, just based off of the way that Tennessee played Kentucky at home, mind you, and the way Alabama played against Georgia. Um, I told you last week I was not going to panic. It wasn't good. Um, and I still don't think Alabama's defense is good, and I still don't think Pete Golding's off the hook. Uh, however, I will tell you right now, I'm I'm a lot uh, less nervous about Tennessee than I was two weeks ago. Of course, you are. they've shot. lost they've lost two in a row, and Bama just beat Georgia handily. Of course, I I'm gonna go I'm gonna say 49. I'll go 49-28 in this one. I think Alabama does give up a few points, um, a few. They're going to give. They're going to give mistakes. up points in every game, but they're also but I, going I, to double the I amount think, they give up the rest of the way. I really do think Alabama could score whenever they wanted to on this Tennessee team. Now they it's can a rivalry name their game. score. The, it's a rivalry game. No, it's so you not. Never know what's Get out of here! No, 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 no. It, this hey, is. Mm-mm, mm-mm. We said this in 2009. Don't do this. We did. We it. Said this, I was. I was. We said like this last 14. year, dude. <laughs> We said this last year. You remember how close last year was? I I remember that it was a one score in the fourth quarter because Tua went out early. Um, I, and yes, I know that they've played close before. When I say it's a rivalry, this to me, and I could be jinxing it. I'm going to knock on the wood all I need to. But it's just I have never been struck by Tennessee, Alabama. Is like, I don't know. This is one of those anything can happen. Right? It's not. I mean. What, they've won 14 in a row. Now, one of these days, I'll have egg on my face because Tennessee is going to come out and, and and will eventually win this game at some point before I die. But yes, uh, some, I just some statistics that I just I I want to go through right quick. If 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 you'll give me the pleasure of doing this, I would love to give you the pleasure of doing this. The last time Tennessee beat Alabama, old old 2006. You remember that? You remember that year? 2006. Yeah. I was uh, crash I was and so hype on, on Xavier Lee at Alabama. Crash and Brokeback Mountain clashed for best picture. U2's How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb won Album of the Year at the Grammys. 24 won the Emmy for Best Drama Series. Remember Alicia Cuthbert? I think we all do. Pluto was downgraded to a dwarf planet that year. The movie Borat came out. Saddam Hussein got executed. And Alabama quarterback Mac Jones was eight years old. The other thing that i saw yesterday that kind of made me laugh if i'm being honest was uh the entire series of big bang theory started and finished in the time it's taken alabama to lose to tennessee the entire series think of how long big bang theory was on yeah it was it it stuck man that, that show stuck around like a bad smell no one has uh tennessee has not beaten alabama uh and anyone has made a tweet about it. No one has watched or streamed Netflix afterward. No one has called an Uber afterward. It has been 5,115 days since Tennessee beat Alabama. And on that note, my friends, unless there's anything else my yes, illustrious yes, co-host yes, remember wants I had, to talk I had, about. I had a sound off this you week. You had a sound off this week. We haven't done this all year, so I'm really interested to where you're headed right now. Okay, this... This sound off is sort of about, you know, our, 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 actually it's not, I'm going to just, I'm just going to start this wide over because I almost went full on stupid there. Um, my sound off is about the penalty of intentional grounding. Oh boy. To me, it's, it, 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 it is such a, not a dumb penalty, but okay. So here, here's, here's sort of what it's, it, it is a dumb penalty because I don't get it. Like, I don't get why may people make it into such a big deal on the broadcast, right? Because, I'll be honest, it helped Auburn at the end of their game, right? Uh, uh, Bo Nix was getting sacked, and he just flung the ball, and 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 
okay. 90% of the time there's an intentional grounding. It's because a quarterback was just trying to avoid a sack, right? Right. So, to me, it's normally a good play by the quarterback. I'm going to be fully honest. I never understand why the announcers always go, oh, oh, but that could be intentional grounding. Like, okay, but you know what intentional grounding is, right? It's a loss of down at the spot of the foul. So he got sacked. And it stops the clock a lot of the time still anyway. So one, you've stopped the clock. Two, you've avoided your quarterback getting hit. I would tell my quarterback to just intentionally ground it. If, 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 if he doesn't know for sure, I mean, make sure it goes out of bounds. You don't throw a pick. but Or just throw it directly at your feet. Yeah. Right. You know you're getting sacked. Just boom. You might get a late quarterback hit on that. You know? Oh, intentionally ground it. Well, no. The penalty's offset. Replay the down. Right? So you've avoided... So you've so basically, when you've intentionally grounded it, half the time you've stopped the clock and avoided your quarterback taking a hit. But the, but the announcers always go crazy like, oh, but oh, that might be grounding. Okay, sure. So it wasn't incomplete. So he got sacked, but didn't take the hit. Like, oh, okay. No, I think intentionally grounding the ball should carry a tougher penalty than just spotted the foul, lost it down. I think it should add on another five yards. That would actually deter your quarterback from doing it. I would, like, listen, the Dolphins are starting two in two weeks. We haven't talked about that. Maybe we will uh, next week before. I'm super stoked. But, hey, if two is about to get drilled, I'd say, hey, just throw it out of bounds. To, to no, but just fling your arm and make sure it goes out of bounds and doesn't go backwards. Throw it 90 yards out of bounds if you need to. So, so what if they call grounding? You didn't take the hit, and nothing and nothing happened. And you didn't get, to, like, I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? Does yeah. that make any no, sense? you're bringing up a good point, and I've never thought of it this way. It I'm, should, I'm glad you're bringing this up. It's just every time it ha- like, I've rolled my eyes every time it ever happens. I've never even really committed it to memory, but every, or my, my mind to, like, talk about it until Saturday, because the Auburn game, you know, they, there was 20-something seconds on the clock, and, and Bo Nix looks like he's about to take a sack, and and he just kind of, he, before he hits the ground, he just kind of throws it, and yeah, it was like clearly right grounding. He wasn't, he wasn't, yeah. and and I'm like, okay, well, whatever, you know? But then the announcers start going, oh, but that could be grounding, you know, look at that, oh, it could be grounding, and, you know, oh, he hadn't left the tackle box, oh, and then breaking it down, I'm like, all right. And, you know, it was late in the game, so it did carry a 10-second runoff. But then the clock was stopped. Oh, and here's the other part of it. When you do intentionally ground it, the, the refs take such a long time to figure out whether it was grounding. Now you've given your offense more time to draw up a play. So what did, what did Bo Nix really do? Yeah, it took a 10-second runoff, but the clock stopped. Or maybe it didn't stop. But while they were discussing the penalty, it was basically a mini-timeout anyway. And then they were ready to snap the ball as soon as the whistle was blown. So it basically was a timeout. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, the, the, yeah. the, the announcement, I'm like, Bo Nick just made an awesome play, basically. You know, yeah, 10, but if he'd gotten sacked, way more than 10 seconds would have come off the clock. And they would have had to come up with a play like that because they were out of timeouts. Now they've yeah. had 50 seconds to discuss their play while the refs were going to the film to see if he was throwing it to anybody in the area. And then boom, and then he was ready. Now the next play was crappy and he, he tried to run it to, to win. It was stupid, but... Yeah, whatever. I, I think it should carry a, a harsher penalty. I think it should be yards added on to where he threw it, and that would really, really actually deter a quarterback from doing it. And then it would be a bad play, right? Now you're five more yards back from where you could have just taken yeah, a sack. Yeah, I think, I think the only thing you'll run into that, though, is, is, is people then saying, oh, well, that's not safe for the quarterback, right? Like, if, if you, a guy can ground it before he takes this massive hit— well, if he's afraid of grounding it, then he's just going to take this huge hit to the head, which is what we're trying to get away from in football. I understand that's that. That's the only counter-argument. But, but right? what we're trying to deter isn't quarterbacks getting sacked. What we're trying to deter is is unsafe hits, right? If we're trying... that My argument against that would just be like, all right, now we've finally crossed a line. Because there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't sack a quarterback. It's sure. it's encouraged if you're a defensive coordinator, right? <laughs> you want to do that as often as possible. Um, yeah, we don't want the quarterback getting bad hits, but he's a football player on the field. We can't just be like, oh, we can't do this because he might get hit. That, that, that I would say that is, that is when football dies. But you, no, I see your point. But I, I think, I think that's, I think we've already hit that point. We have hit that point. We have, especially like, look at, NFL, look at the but, kickoff. The kickoff is effectively a, a moot point right now. There's no point in doing a kickoff anymore. I feel you. Here. And, and that, started, that, that was a big the line. 25. There. That was a big you line. Know? 
But um, I stand and, firm that I think they should add on five yards because no, then, I, then I, you're actually hurting the bad. I think like there's I more said, positives to an intentional grounding than a negative nine times out of ten. Every like now said, and then, you are bringing up a good point that I haven't thought of before. Yeah. you're right about this. You were just absolutely right about this. Um, but the other thing too is the arrogance of people. Well, how could he do that? How could he do that? He has a a sea monster running at him. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, how could he? Three hundred three hundred pound dude coming full steam at him. He just is trying how, to. Not how do take you a not sack? even check to see if you're outside of the tackle box? Do you know that I'm about to get my spine snapped in half right now? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to throw it away, and if it's tar- or if it's intentional grounding, so be it. Every so be now it. and then you have one where the quarterback, like, it was a bad play because it was a sack that he wasn't even going to take, and he just... But that's v- most of the time, almost every time that it happens, it's just because of a situation like that. Just, yes. That he was just trying to not lose yards, but he so yeah. he flung it. Well, you should be penalized for flinging it when you should. And this isn't the first time that that uh, Bo Nix has made that play this year either. No, and it, it's not just him. That's just that was my example. Was right, it, right. It was. Yeah, I watched and I went. There are like so many more positives of the fact that he did that into negatives, and nobody brought it up. the The announcers didn't even. It. The announcers yep. are just breaking down whether he committed this egregious penalty, and I'm like, dude. 10 second runoff is way better than what would have happened when he got sacked. He didn't, he got hit, but he was really more tripping. Like, okay, so he didn't avoid the hit in that circumstance, but I think it could be a positive if they were, you know, if I was a coach and they were ready to snap the ball with 13 seconds left instead of having to run up, they would not have been, and then, you know, they had a time to draw up a play and think and organize. So yeah, it should have put him back five more yards at the worst, at the very least, but whatever. Here's my sound off right quick. And I'm just going to say it because I'm exhausted with it. People, wear a damn mask. <laughs> That's your just Twitter put on name. a mask. It's yes, Patrick. Please wear a mask, Norwood. Just, just please put on a mask. I no, I don't want to hear your science behind it. I'm too tired. I'm too tired as far as COVID is concerned. COVID and politics. I'm too tired. I, I can't have another drop of it. I'm already full. Just put on your mask. If you don't agree with it, that's fine. I do a lot of things I don't agree with. For instance, if I'm sitting at a red light and no one else is around, why do I have to sit there? Just wear a mask. That's all I'm going to say. Just wear one. I don't want to hear your your armchair scientist opinion. Well, the CDC, I don't want to hear it. No, it's I don't just care. An act of, it's an act of service at the end of the day. It really just, is. Just be nice. Just be nice and wear a mask. We've got to do this another year maybe at the worst just wear a mask just please wear a mask please i'm begging you please wear a mask when you go out in public that's all i'm gonna say thank you for listening to pat's interference your favorite college football podcast you can find us on social because i didn't do this from the top you can find us on social Uh, on twitter (laughs) at pi underscore podcast you can uh you can go to our facebook at pat's interference p-a-t apostrophe s interference although we don't post much there you can go to our website at patsinterference.com, or you can email us and ask us a question at patsinterference at gmail.com. Brick, I hope you have the greatest weekend of all time. I hope I, it is. I think it's going to be chill. I think it's going to be great. I will definitely be calling you Saturday. We have plans that morning. I'm doing nothing that night. I'm definitely going to be calling you at some point on Saturday. Everybody else, we're going to call you next week. We'll chat. Another hour. Stay tuned. Nothing better than a podcast with your best friend in the whole world. In the whole world. 